But you say, Pastor, how do I know all this is true? How can I stake my whole life on this message of Jesus crucified in my place? And the answer, the answer, my friend, is because the tomb is empty. That's right. Okay. The empty tomb is God's declaration that death and hell has been defeated. And for those who have been saved by Christ, they will never taste death. Never. Because when God rolled that stone away, they looked inside and they found nothing but some cloth and a folded napkin. When they found that folded napkin in the tomb, you know what this means? I'm not going to be gone forever. I'm coming back and I'm raising my people with me and I'm taking them to glory forever in the new heaven and the new earth. And somebody needs to get it today because you're living your life as if you're Jesus still in the tomb. He's walked out, my friend. Amen. Where's the body of Muhammad? He's still in the grave. Where is the body of Buddha? He's still in the grave. Don't you think that if the Pharisees were fighting the greatest insurrection against their religion that they've seen in a thousand years, that somebody would have found the bones of Jesus, but they never found them. Because they're not here. <laughs> he has ascended. He has ascended. He is the high priest, and he shall be worshipped. There is no other choice than to direct my life around this marvelous, majestic, beautiful, worthy, honorable, supreme, glorious, holy being named Jesus. My invitation today is that he will be the sole focus of your life as well. Hey man, that'll preach right there, bud. Amen. I'm telling you what, that's some old-fashioned country snake-handling preachers right there up in the mountain. <laughs> you know, I like it when you go like uh, bluegrass, country-fied... Hillbilly. Red, hillbilly redneck there. Mm. Shoot. All these fandangled liberals getting all crazy in the world. I'm just glad someone's preaching the truth up in here. Hey. That's uh, an exact quote from one of our members on Sunday. <laughs> hey, welcome to Gospel Defenders. This is episode five, and at this rate, we'll have ten episodes in six years. <laughs> oh, man. Hey. Hey, I am... Uh, happy Easter to you. Happy Easter. Today is Easter Tuesday. Hey, Robert, you ever heard of um, Easter Tide? Easter Tide? No, I've never heard of Easter Tide. So evidently, everyone else other than the Baptists celebrate all kind of other things. So, Easter mm. Tide refers from the um, days from Easter until Pentecost, and so it's like fifty days of Easter meditation and reflection. But you know, growing up a Baptist, like I never heard of many of these celebrations. Kind of like people celebrate Lent, Ash Wednesday. You know. Ash Wednesday, and I mean, we just we just get in here and preach. You know what I mean? Mm. We don't have no fancy names for uh, different days. We just preach, and uh, and we love God. 
Amen. So, I mean, that that's pretty, that's kind of being a Baptist in a nutshell. One time I did a, a wedding in the fall at this, uh, I think it was a, uh, it was a liberal Presbyterian church. And the pastor of that church, I came there for the wedding, he says, what color is your stole? Your stole? Yeah. And is that like a chair? I said, um, I have no idea what you're talking about. So the stole is like the cloth that goes over the robe. And I said, brother, uh, <laughs> only time Baptists wear a robe was when we get in the baptistry. Oh, man. I'm thinking he's like the Mormons. Some holy garments there. <laughs> I, I, know, I know some Baptists that have robes, but they only wear it for like special occasions. Choir. Um, well. Choir robe. Yeah, this lady called from the church yesterday, this uh, robe company, and I answered the phone and said, hello. She says, uh, hey, this is from so-and-so robe company. Do you have a need for choir robes or clergy robes? And I say, that's a negative ghost rider. Uh, your 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 country accent today. <laughs> Usually you have your your radio voice. You didn't do your radio. I voice didn't come in with. You it. Didn't come I in think it's because this new this new microphone, and I'm kind of afraid of it. Yeah. So um. So you you like convert back to <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, and uh, <laughs> I digress back to my early years. <laughs> I'm from Midland, y'all. <laughs> That's probably really loud now. Oh, that's I'm sorry, guys. So this is uh, Gospel Defenders, Episode 5. Hey, we have a Facebook page. It's uh, If you look on Facebook, Gospel Defenders, and you'll see the logo. Looks like a Superman symbol, but it's got a cross in it. It's Gospel Defenders webpage. We'd love for you to post questions. We'd like to start answering questions on our segment. So listener questions. And a lot of you guys we know um, have been listening, have been sharing, have been enjoying the uh, podcast, and we're trying to cover topics that deal directly with um, you being able to defend the Christian faith and also you knowing the Christian faith. And uh, this uh, today we have a um, specially selected topic for that. So I'm Jesse Watkins. I'm one of your hosts today. We don't have any cool nicknames yet. Uh, what's my nickname, Robert? Uh, the Radical. Jesse the Radical. And Jesse this is, the Radical. This is uh, the Rain Man. I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, my name is Robert Mayfield. And as Jesse said, he calls me Rain Man. There's uh, many hidden messages with that nickname, but he says because I can remember scripture like Rain Man off the movie with the cards, like definitely 32, 32, 47, whatever. This guy's got a photographic scripture memory. <clears throat> but. Photographic. Uh, it's just because as the Lord says in John chapter 14 in the Lord's Supper that uh, he brings remembrance of the scripture. He does. Through chapter 14 through 17, he talks about the helper. So. The Holy Spirit does that. Yes, he does. All right. So let's start off with some announcements. Did you want to talk about uh, the newsletter? Uh, yes. If you are not part of the uh, Friendship Newsletter, it's called The Anchor. Make sure you get signed up on that. You can reach out to us on Gospel Defenders uh, website, uh, or you can call up here to the church, give us your email um, and your address, and we'll start getting this uh, newsletter to you. Yeah, I would say um, do not reach out to us on the Gospel Defenders website about your address because ah, I point. will not do that. You can email our church secretary at concordfriendship at gmail.com um, because I do a bad enough job as it is. Of uh, As some of our listeners will let me know, it takes me three weeks to get our sermons uploaded online. So 
you will never get an anchor if you email me. Hey, but duly noted, get the anchor. Hey, and I would also say this. If uh, you don't receive any information, such as email information, uh, mailing information, or, for example, if uh, your information is never published in the bulletin for birthdays and stuff like that, then do email us, and it's probably because we maybe just don't have your correct information in our database or our information is wrong. So conquerfriendship at gmail.com. So let's talk about uh, another announcement. Secret Church, April 29th at Hickory Grove Baptist Shh. Church. It's secret. Ah, yes. Yes. I think of Secret Church kind of like Fight Club. You ever seen Fight Club? Uh, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but... I'm Robert. Not, I've never seen all the way Fight Club. All right. I'm a sheltered man. I may have to pause right now. You, you growing up, mm. f- fighting in backyards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is your movie, man. Like literally. <clears throat> now I'm not. I'm not recommending it here for our listeners. I'm not sitting here making a theological recommendation. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Right, right. But I'm telling you, I grew up knowing about stupid movies. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. that's what shaped my worldview. Right. So we should do sometimes five stupid movies that shaped your worldview. <laughs> Mom would definitely probably have Dumb and Dumber. In okay. There. Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. That, that, that's a good one. Sling Blade. Definitely Sling Blade. I can quote every single movie that I'm mentioning here. Forrest Gump. Mm. Major Pain. Okay. Top I, five dumb movies <clears throat> that have influenced my worldview. Well, let's see what I can go with. Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Happy Gilmore. Okay. Um, oh, man. This is so hard. There's so many good ones. Uh, Braveheart. You got to go with Braveheart. I'm not saying that was a dumb movie, but it influenced me in such a way that... Uh, they can take our life, but they can never take our freedom. You know he was Scottish and not English. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I have actually stood on a castle in Scotland looking at the 30-foot-tall memorial of William Wallace. Oh, you bled with Wallace? No, bled with me. Oh. <laughs> that sounded Australian. Every man, every man, every man's home is his castle. Okay, next announcement will be, um, we could briefly mention the June mission trip, but I think most people have probably already made their deposits because uh, it's almost April, so we've got April, May, June. and uh, But the June mission trip to Haiti, June 20th through uh, probably 27th or so, and then there's a, you, you may have a time to get on the mission trip in August, August 1 through 8, um, which is a construction trip. So August 1 through 8, construction trip, you still got time to get on that. And then the youth mission trip, tell us about that, Robert. Uh, we'll be heading to Cleveland, Ohio, um, August 8th through the 14th. So if you'd like to partake in that and you're a youth or if you're a youth leader, uh, contact me and uh, we'll get you plugged in. So the deposit is coming here within the next couple weeks. So um, August 8th through the 14th, Cleveland, Ohio, We'll be working with uh, a couple church plants up there mm-hmm. and reaching the people of Cleveland. Will that be like ficus or like Fraser fir? Not that type of plant, but... Uh, What's a church plant for our listeners? <clears throat> a, church plant, a church plant is a, uh, a new church that has been planted. Mm-hmm. Just like when you plant a plant, mm-hmm. um, as it grows mm-hmm. so that it can bear fruit, it mm. takes nurturing, it takes love, it takes care, and it takes people working together for the gospel. So, Hey, what's the purpose of fruit? Oh, the purpose of fruit is to make Christ known. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is the, okay. Okay. What's in a fruit? What does a fruit contain? Nutrition and sweet nectar, goodness and substance. When you cut inside a fruit, what do you see? Flesh. I don't know. What are you going with? Keep on going. <laughs> Keep on going. Uh, juice, flesh, seeds. Yes. Ah, plant the seed. The purpose of fruit. It's to multiply the seed. Mm. See? See where I'm going? I'm, I'm going with you. So. I'm on the bandwagon. That kind of ties into our vision here at Friendship SBC. Oh, you know, someone... Multiplication. Someone said something the other day. Uh, they were talking about the seed that was planted in them a couple years ago and the impact that from... Um, I think it was when you went and shared the gospel with them. And yep. then they went and seen uh, God's Not Dead. <laughs> That that seed... They saw God's not dead. They saw God not dead like two days before. Mm -hmm. I went and shared the gospel with them. Yep. The Lord uses all things for his purpose. So... Pretty amazing. Bear fruit. Big shout out. Big shout out. Yep. Uh, Bear fruit. Plant the seeds. All right, so we got a little segment here. We're calling this Top 5, and we kind of just joked around with the uh, movies, but they really didn't influence our worldview. But we're going to talk about uh, Top 5 influential Christian um, leaders who have influenced our theology over the years. Yep, and it can be pastors, it can be uh, like podcasts, a book. Authors. Um, you know. Podcasters. Whatever has helped your walk with Christ, helped you know shape your understanding and sharpen your tools that are in the shed. Right. You want to start? Ah, uh, sure. About, okay. You want to do all five at one time, or you do one, I'll do one? I'll do one, you do one. Okay, that sounds good. Well... Since we talked about Secret Church earlier, I'm going to go with my number one, David Platt. David Platt, why? I would say David Platt, uh, number one, every time he preaches, he always has an abundance of Scripture. And he mm-hmm. uses Scripture to teach on Scripture. Mm-hmm. But he's, uh, <clears throat> every one of his messages, no matter what, it always shows Christ and how that applies to missions. Right. So, uh, Christ and missions, and so that always speaks to me of how we make his name known throughout the nations. Right. That's why we're called. And so anytime I listen to David Platt, I know that it's going to be a Christ-centered message, but it's also going to be a message that's going to help me, equip me for missions to share in the gospel. So I go David Platt that route. Um, what about you? Amen. Okay, so I'm not necessarily starting in like descending order. I'm going to start the earliest. And uh, when I was in college, um, this was before iPhones, I had my little Nokia phone that I used to play that game Snakes on. So I didn't listen to any podcasts and stuff like I do now. Um, but I got some CD sets from uh, the Way of the Master Ministries, uh, Living Water Ministries, uh, by Ray Comfort. Mm, love Ray Comfort. And one of the CD sets was uh, his top 16 messages. And actually, one of them deals with what we're talking about today. But I, I, it was a CD set of 16. And, and young people, let, let me tell you what I used to have to do. Um, I used to have to carry around... Um, uh, I could only listen to one CD at once. Like cars now, they don't even have CD. They're not even coming with CD players now. No. Do you know this? I don't have one. My Lexus still has a tape player. I'm going to drive that thing forever. Well, it's also 90 years old, but hey. Because I got some tapes from when <laughs> I was preaching, man, when I was 17, 18, and I didn't know what I was thinking about, and I like to hear how bad they were. But anyway, you know, um, so I used to roll around with these 16 CD set from Ray Comfort. The first message was Hell's Best Kept Secret, probably mm-hmm. his most famous message. I guarantee I listened to that message 
500 times. Wow. I mean, I would leave it in my car and would not take it out for six months. And I would listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. And it's about the law of God in mm-hmm, evangelism. Mm-hmm. You're probably familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Love the second, The second message was true and false conversion. What is true conversion? What is false conversion? That's what, one of the things we're going to talk about today. But, um, man, I ordered every book that he had. When I was deployed to, uh, where did I go first, Kuwait? I took his um, School of Biblical Evangelism. It's like a 500-page textbook. Oh, man. And I would work through, you know, a lesson a day while I was over there just trying to encourage myself spiritually. And um, I've got several books autographed by him. He wrote the book, uh, You Can Lead an Atheist to Evidence, But You Can't Make Him Think. That's a good book. He's got a book called How to Lead Your Children to Christ. Um, so many books, and, and of course he wrote the, uh, it's not the Apologetics Study Bible, what is it, the Study Bible he wrote? Oh, I can't think of it right now, but I will say, one of my favorite things of Ray Comfort is um, Evolution versus God, his yes. video. Yeah. Now, you know me, I'm more of an audio, video type of learner, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> when it comes to evangelism, I always go to Ray Comfort and his videos, and that one, Evolution uh, versus God, one of my favorites. I used to order his uh, DVD sets of his street preaching. Mm-hmm. And Ray Comfort, basically, for those of you who are not introduced to him, I think for the past 30 years, he has went wherever he lives, and I think now it's California, he has went in the public uh, square in the, in the, on the street corner and preached every day for 30 years. Wow. Unbelievable. This guy's a beast. All right, so that was my that was my first one. Hmm, I might switch it up a little bit because <clears throat> I'm gonna go with uh, Lee Strobel's Case for Christ. Okay, Lee Strobel. Yep, I hope I said wow. that last yeah, name correctly. No, that's correct. Yeah, but now I never finished the Case for Christ book, but I used the Case for Christ book. It's certain there's there's one that is like uh, the top forty questions he has, but then he has one that's the Case for Christ book, which is his testimony. And so anytime for witnessing and stuff like that, there's certain points in there that I've highlighted and I've used um, through Lee Strobel. So that's apologetics. Case for Christ. That's pretty good, man. Um, I know I've probably given them books out before, but I've never actually read that one. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, is that one about the uh, historical evidence of... Uh, oh, it, it has... I mean, he was an atheist. And so Lee Strobel, he, yeah. He was trying to disprove... Christianity, what? in turn, trying to disprove Christianity, he became a believer in Christ. Wasn't Josh McDowell also a former atheist, or or no? Mm, not one hundred percent sure about Josh, but Lee Strobel was. Lee Strobel was. We need to check that out. So, but uh, even though I didn't finish the book, mm-hmm. what I got through the book is amazing, right? Um, and I definitely went through at least one hundred and fifty pages. Hmm. Some solid points in there you can witness to your friends with. So. Right. That take you like four years. Probably. Slow reader. Slow reader. Uh, okay, so that was your number two. Uh, my number two, um, I'm just going to go first one on my head, probably the most, whom I've been most influenced by in the last four to five years is John Piper. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't really remember how I originally got kind of tuned in to him. But one of the things I like about Piper is that he was a great fan of C.S. Lewis. And so for some reason, I think I think we enjoy reading people who we think like. 
So I know you like David Plant because he's just like scripture, 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 you know. Yep. All immersed in his preaching and his writing and everything. John Piper, I think, is somewhat philosophical and also like literary, where the way he talks is vivid. And and I just, the way he preaches is so, to me, so eloquent. But really, the reason um, I came more a fan of him was the fact that he is so rooted in the sovereignty of God. Yep. Matter of fact, I just ordered the book that was his doctoral thesis, which is called The Justification of God. And it is an exegesis of Romans chapter 9. And that's what started his theology is it's rooted in the sovereignty of God. And so you can see that in everything that he preaches, you know, his books, Don't Waste Your Life, uh, Christian Hedonism. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christian Hedonism is the, uh, the belief that we are most, God is most, no, let's see. God is most glorified in us. In us when we are most satisfied in him. Yep. All right. So. You know, and that's a philosophical type term. Well, and that's and that's you. I mean, right. you're very, you know. I, I just kind of think that way. Right. So very philosophical. That um, would be my number two. Well, speaking of you going on John Piper, mm-hmm. my guy that who I love dearly and love listening to him is James White. Yes. He actually quotes John Piper in his book Freedom, uh, the uh, the Potter's Freedom. Right. And it's about the sovereignty of God and how to go through the scripture of showing that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the earth. And he quotes John Piper several times. And it's uh, the book you mentioned, uh, Justification, what's it called? Uh, the Justification of God. Yes. And so I would go James White. I love listening to him, uh, his podcast that he has, the uh, Alpha and Omega Ministries. Um, he's more for, for me, he's more for debates. So he does a lot of uh, mm-hmm. kind of like Calvinism versus Arminianism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of his best friends is uh, an Ar- Arminius, uh, Michael Brown. And so they have a lot of debates against each other. And so, and you know Michael Brown's uh, headquarters is uh, two miles from our church. Yep, the fire church. Fire church. Fire yep. church. And so uh, James White, just solid reformer. Maybe I could uh, debate him one time, Michael Brown. I think you should. That'd be awesome. Just call him up. And he has a podcast as well. Yep. So you can get on there and test your uh, debating skills. Mm-hmm. But James White. So that's what I go with. Okay. Uh, number three for me is going to be William Lane Craig. And William Lane Craig is a philosopher and an apologeticist. I believe he is the most well-known apologeticist in the United States right now. Uh, his ministry is called Reasonable Faith. There is a Reasonable Faith podcast, Reasonable Faith app. But again, one of the reasons I like him so much is because he presents the Christian worldview in a philosophical manner that confronts atheism and humanism in the, in the, the naturalist perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, his ministry is directed towards um, equipping the believer. Matter of fact, he's got a great book. It's called On Guard, which is like a textbook. Mm-hmm. for uh, high school, college students to learn how to defend the faith. That would be awesome to work through sometime. But I'll probably, I'll probably listen to William Lane Craig right now. So John Piper, I more read him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as far as William Lane Craig, I listen to him. Uh, his podcast, 
Reasonable Faith Podcast. Unbelievable. I'm going to go with Matt Chandler. That's your number four, right? That's my number four. Okay, Matt, Matt Chandler. Chandler. Um, love his preaching style. Uh, really, one of the best Bible studies that I've done, we've done with the youth, is uh, his explicit gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what I like about Matt Chandler, even in his preaching style and um, his Bible study, his books, it's it's always Christ-centered in such a way where it's not behavior modification. It's, hey, you can't fix yourself, but Jesus can fix you. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Like, it's him working through you. It's mm-hmm. about uh, his grace. It's showing that, you know what, we're totally depraved. And when we try to fix our, se- our eyes on self, we can't fix ourselves. Mm-hmm. And just like when he goes through Colossians, uh, he says, fix your eyes on Christ and mm-hmm. let Christ do the work in you. Mm-hmm. So love Matt Chandler, love his preaching style, just how he flows. I mean, he has that uh, kind of sarcastic, witty sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And so um, he just He's got the me. best hand motions in all of preaching. Oh, definitely the best hand motions. So, oh, and when we went to his, uh, <laughs> the marriage council. Yes, the uh, conference. The conference. Yes. Oh, man, how amazing was that? And so you can just see Matt Chandler. He's down to earth. You know, he's um, he's about preaching Christ. Mm-hmm. So. And he, he never went to seminary. It's one of the cool things, which is, I think, impressive uh, considering his knowledge of the scriptures and, and his ability to to present the scripture in context is that um, not, not, not everyone has that ability. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it, you have to spend tremendous amount of time in personal study mm-hmm. to have that context that he has. And, and, and what it shows is that he's done that. He's done the, um, the study to be uh, 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 a faithful preacher to the text. Uh, that's one of the reasons I do kind of like him. Yeah. Is you, you know, you can tell, you can tell when someone has been um, tainted a little bit by education. Oh, yeah. But he, he doesn't have any of that, which is kind of raw. Kind of like Billy Sunday. Oh, kinda Billy raw. Sunday. Yeah. So was that your number four? That was my number four. Okay, my number four, I'm going to go with R.C. Sproul. Uh, mm. Head of Ligonier Ministries, and I just like their ministry over here. All I get their devotional table talk. Do you get that? I do get table talk. Do you really? Yep. I didn't know that. I think isn't the current one on, on Islam? Have you got it? I haven't checked that one out. I need to check it out. Um, and I also need to mention the conversation I had with the Muslim. Oh yes. In a minute, but anyway, um, I had a friend that gave me another CD set, sixteen CDs by R.C. Sproul on how philosophy has shaped the way the Western world understands everything from science to Christianity to um, purpose of life. And he goes all the way back from Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, shows how we have been influenced by these thinkers. And everything we do is filtered through a philosophical lens. Um, but anyway, R.C. Sproul, he is a, uh, he's a preacher, probably well-known for his uh, exposition about the holiness of God and just very committed to the holiness of God and uh, very reformed guy. Good stuff. Ligonier Ministries, good stuff. All right, so uh, I'm actually going to take out Lee Strobel, Case for Christ. And, uh, You're going to take that? I, I, you know, I've got I to gotta, I gotta remove it. Um, Why? 
Well, because you I, got two I, more to bump in. I got I, I got two more. So right. if you can just bear with me, <clears throat> okay. My apologies, but okay. you know it's my list, so I get to take it out and put it in. You know. Yeah. Um, Creation Museum, Ken Ham. Ken Ham. Oh, their ministry. Mm. So I'm gonna put that one in my th- number two, just mm-hmm. to kind of give a quick little rundown about them. That's actually one of my go-to when it comes to when you said about Muslims. Yes. Uh, world religions. I go there for everything when it comes to like world religions. Mm-hmm. Um, the history of the Bible, going through Genesis, uh, when you think of dinosaurs, creation, on and on and on, population. So, Ken Ham, uh, Creation Museum, Answers in Genesis is what their mm-hmm. ministry is. It's actually one of my biggest go-tos, so I got to put that in there. But my last but not least is who I'm on right now. i uh, been listening to him a lot. It's Alistair Begg. I thought you were going to say Jesse Watkins. Oh, I thought we were out of it. We, we're not in the running. You're not in the running. <laughs> Alistair Begg. Yeah, tell us, tell us about old Alistair. Can you do Can you do his R's like he does it? Robinson. Robinson. No, I can't. Well, anyways, uh, I believe he's Scottish. 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 And, uh, I but, have a spot of tea. And, and it's not Alex Trebek. Every time I say his name, everybody always thinks, the Jeopardy guy? No. Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg. So. Alistair Begg. I never like, thought that sounded like Alistair Beck. Well, that's what, Jen- <laughs> that's what Jennifer thought I was saying. I'll take um, uh, Romans for 200. Anyways, you kind of gave me the facial expression of uh, Norman <laughs> McDowell. Or what, I don't remember what it was, Saturday Night Live from like 20 years ago. I was a rebel. Okay, anyways, Alistair Beck. Um, when he preaches, the way he goes through is more of a practical way. Mm-hmm. So the way... Down to earth. Down to earth. Um, but... Obviously, he talks a lot about the providence of God, the God's sovereignty, but the, his application is what usually gets me and how he's able to take the Scripture, uh, preach it in that it's all about Christ, for Christ, but then the way we apply it to our life is in such a practical way. And uh, just he's down-to-earth, awesome guy. Check him out. I like that. All right, so my number five. This is not a preacher. Um, he is a, a, a professor and an author. Let me give some background. So about three years ago, I started collecting commentaries on Genesis. And I began to be very intrigued by the book of the, uh, Genesis, especially a few f- the first few chapters on creation and the fall and everything in there. So I started collecting commentaries. Well, I found this guy, a uh, professor at Wheaton College of Old Testament Studies named John Walton. Mm. Okay, So first... I got his book on, um, let me let me put this in the right word. It was a, the religious the religious landscape of the ancient Near East, and what he what he has done is he has compared all other ancient religions, Babylonian religions of the Fertile Crescent area, and shown how the biblical narrative in in Hebrew thought is not a development of the ancient Near East. Okay, so let me, so a lot of people claim, well, everyone else has these these worldviews and all other cultures and mm-hmm. on and on and on. Yeah, but the thing he does, he's looked at all of them. And the Hebrew thought is not a reflection of what these other cultures have uh, uh, were, were portraying. So I started getting some of the books he wrote on, like I've got a book that he wrote just on Genesis chapter 1. I mean, he's written a whole book on Genesis chapter 1. I've got a book he wrote on just uh, Adam and Eve, um, his commentary on Genesis. I've got his commentary on the book of Job, 
And uh, so he has become my favorite. Uh, how would you put? What is he? A commentator, I guess. Um, He's a good resource for like a- the Book of Genesis. Academic resource. Yeah. And so um, Wheaton, Wheaton is a pretty strong college. That's where I believe uh, John Piper went to college, Wheaton. I believe William Lane Craig went to college at Wheaton. It's all coming full circle. So you see the type of thought that, that occurs there at Wheaton. I've actually got a friend who was in our ministry up in Greensboro who is in college at Wheaton now. Brilliant, brilliant guy. And... Um, but yeah, John Walton would be there. So I think that's all top five, right? Amen. Golly, that took forever. forever. Wow. So hopefully gonna... we still have some listeners left. They probably yeah. they're like, Are you oh, still there? Still there? But you have literally a lifetime's worth of uh, resources now at your fingertips. So you got podcasts, you got pastors, you got books. books. Check them out. Books. And really, I think our list probably could have been like top 25, 30. Oh, yeah, we could have kept so. going. So uh, now it's time for our segment. You ready? Here we go. Anti-gospel. So we like to do a little segment of claimed preachers who have nothing to do with the gospel. Mm. Is it going to be a little bit of law? A little bit of law. Law. So uh, I found this guy who is a, uh, it says, Baptist minister. He has a doctorate degree. He's actually been on staff at some Christian universities, some Baptist universities. Well, well I can tell you he's crooked. His name's Lynn. <laughs> no good Baptist preacher named Lynn. Okay, I've never heard that. But I, don't, I don't know. I I'll take your word for just it. just made it up. Um, and he came out of the closet, if you will, <laughs> claiming... Well, I'm going to play it for you, and then we're, play it. we're going to dialogue, and we're going to see what this Baptist preacher is claiming, and we're going to say, can can this really happen? Can he do this? But let's listen. As, uh, oh, I almost forgot why I came. And he turned around, and he handed me a Book of Mormon. And so, before I know what I'm saying, I said, but sir, that's a Book of Mormon. <laughs> And uh, he said, yes, he was kind. And then I said, but I thought this was a Christian community. I mean, I have a lot of bias. I grew up a very conservative Baptist uh, background. And he said, oh, uh, we're a Christian community, but we also believe in that book. Well, the bottom line was simply when he left, I took it out of courtesy. I did not get out of the first page. Totally. All right, this guy's crying now because he's opening the Book of Mormon. He's crying on the video. Let's see what he says. As we say here in Missouri, uh, sideswiped by God. (laughs) When I read, I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did he say Sideswap from God? More like punched in the face by the devil I, Nephi More Okay like. So guys For those of you who don't know The Book of Mormon Was written by one man 
named Joseph Smith. Oh, Joey. Who claimed when he was 14, aliens came to visit him. In the woods. And told him the location of secret golden tablets. He's the only one that knows the language. The only one that could interpret the secret golden tablets. All made out of gold. And so the Book of Mormon is him interpreting these golden tablets. From an angel named Moroni. Yeah. And his story changed. One time he said uh, angel. One time he said aliens, extraterrestrial beings. Lord. I mean. Told him these things. uh, And the thing was, whenever he translated these golden tablets, no one's ever found these golden tablets. Because he claimed that once he was done translating them, he had to hide them again. Couldn't find them. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is the opening lines of the Golden Tablets. I, Nephi. But you know what's funny about that, before you hit play? Yeah. He couldn't find them, but he remembered everything that was on them. <laughs> He's got a great memory for every word that was on them, but he couldn't find where he placed them. That's impressive. That is pretty good. I knew. I really did. I knew that I was reading God's Word. Oh, the grass withers and the flower fades, and well, the word of our God will never go away. Uh, he's not a Baptist because um, we believe that the canon of Scripture was closed. Yep, as affirmed by the first three centuries of Christianity. Yep, that the uh, sixty-six books of the Bible were the revealed word of God, and. Uh, you will not add to them or take away from them. Basically, they contain the sufficient revelation for salvation. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> let's say, let's say Robert wrote a book. Now, I'm not going to take his book of scripture, but the only reason I would support that book is if it aligned with what God's Word said. Hmm. Problem is, the Book of Mormon doesn't align nope. with what God's Word has said because it teaches, among other things, that um, there are many gods. Mm-hmm. And this God was actually once a human being. Had many wives. That uh, he he had wives that he's populated the world with and... And uh, when you die, you become a god of your own universe. The Bible never says any of this. says it, Lucifer and Jesus is brothers. So. Which is completely heresy. Right. Because Jesus was not a created being. Correct. It says all things were created by him, for him, and through him. Mm -hmm. So. Let's see what else this guy says. And uh, I kept looking for the weirdest stuff. And I would read through Nephi and Second Nephi. And um, did you get to the part where it says that um, you're going to have wives for all eternity to populate your own universe? <laughs> no weird stuff there. I kept looking for the really weird stuff. Oh, that, Second Nephi. Like uh, I've got to wear holy underwear or else I'm going to hell. Yeah. Better pray for the dead. Uh, that can, yeah, that sounds weird. And I did. Uh, you know, we were taught some, I call them caricature beliefs. 
regarding the Book of Mormon. And I did not find one thing that contradicted the Bible. In fact, sometimes I tell my Baptist buddies, uh, the Book of Mormon is uh, more Baptist than the Baptist hymnal. That's depressing. Hmm. Hmm. Hymn number one. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. My friend, that mm. is Christian theology. Book of Mormon denies the Trinity. Yep. Nothing Baptist about it. <laughs> and it is in places. Uh, it really is. Um, it's jammed packed full of what I call cardinal themes of Protestantism. I've been invited to speak in uh, Baptist churches, Pentecostal churches. And hey, this guy's name is Lynn Ridenauer. Don't ever invite him to speak anywhere. In fact, they should have threw him out as a heretic. And the way I present the Book of Mormon is essentially that is Christ-centered. <laughs> so whether or not you're Baptist or Methodist... Well, you can't worship Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ at the same time because that's what they do. And it can't be Christ-centered if Jesus is a created being. Mm. And that's why they baptize for the dead because they don't believe Jesus died for all sin. That's right. Come on now. Or Pentecostal or whatever. I approach it through the lens of the same Jesus that I met as an... Well, that's what Joel Osteen said. Joel Osteen said that uh, Mormons follow the same Jesus that he does, which is a, a true statement because his Jesus is a uh, fact, fictitious <laughs> entity that doesn't exist, that wants to give you every good thing in life that you want to have. And Almost an impression for you just then with my you? eyes closed like Joel Osteen said... This is my Bible. This, this is, is my Bible. It is the Word of God. Um, what does he say? Never, never, never. Never, <laughs> never, never. I never open it. Never, never, never. I Those never, aren't magic words. They I never read it. Just, just open the Bible. Now tell me, Joel. Uh, will the Muslim go to hell if he doesn't believe in Jesus Christ? Well, well that's well, not for that's, me to that's judge. That's not for me. I leave that up to God. Yes, it is for you, because the Bible says judgment begins in the house of God, which means that the church has the keys. That's right. To declare. And you still can show true gospel. love, grace, and kindness to people of all religions, but stick to the truth of the gospel. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes, comes to, to the, the Father, Father but by him. 11-year-old lad in a Baptist church, I discovered in this book, that's my approach, is the centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell my Baptist friends, I feel like I have been born again. <laughs> again. Mm. I feel like, I feel like I may get sick.
<laughs> Bella does this thing now. We're uh, we're trying to feed Mayor, you know, solid food, kind of like oatmeal now. Yeah. And Mayor starts gagging. Well, Bella will start gagging, and Bella will start. I'm saying, Bella, you're gonna leave the table because I'm about to throw up. <laughs> I feel like I've been born again, born again. Hey, what'd be a good intro intro song for our main segment? Mm. What do you think of that? I don't know. We need something. Maybe a little something with a little bump into it, like a little, you know, a little. What's that war music you was playing earlier? All right. Do a little intro like oh, that. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sure they're tired of hearing us breathe into the microphone. I believe one time I heard your teeth chopped together. <laughs> Did you? Sorry about that, guys. That's all right. I'll edit this out. I'll leave the teeth chop. That's always fun. I'd like to have like a good Lecrae song or a good Shaolin. Woo, Shaolin. What's a good Shaolin song? Oh, you got to Eternal play. Security? Don't he have? You got to go to uh, either his false teacher one or uh, he has um, the. What about the atonement? The atonement. Yeah, he breaks it down. Different words. That's a good one. All right, check it out. To introduce this uh, main segment for today, we've got a Christian artist by the name of Sha Lin and giving us a little introduction to the atonement, uh, which I think directly correlates to our doctrine of eternal security. Oh, absolutely. It's all about Because the work the of the high priest is the continual atoning work of what he has accomplished. Amen. So let's check this out. Good, Steven the Lee, right? Chillin' fam, how you doing? Ah, man, I'm good, yo. It's, it's a pleasure to have you here on my album, The Atonement, man. It's my pleasure to be here, man. And I thought it'd be dope to kind of chop it up about certain terms that we throw out a lot but never really define. So why don't I throw out some terms and you can give us the definition? All right, let's do it. All right, let's start it off with who is God? God is the universe's creator and sustainer, plus the only savior. There is no one greater. He's triune, holy, omnipotent, omniscient, absolute, loving, sovereign, and right. Righteous are a few of his attributes. How do we know this? Well, we know this from the Bible, where God has revealed himself. Anything else is just an idol. What's the Bible about? Man's complete ruin and sin and what God has done in Christ to bring us to him again. What is sin? Sin is the breaking of God's law plus our condition, which means from birth we all got flaws. What's the result? The result is by nature we're God's enemies and must pay the penalty unless God provides the remedy. What's the remedy? The remedy is the cross of Christ, where yeah. he suffered all the strikes for the lawless type. I've been rescued by the Lamb. I'm convinced that he's risen, and blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Just fall back, and with the eyes of faith, behold the vision so of surprise awesome. and grace. Because the Lamb has died, third day he had to rise. He's magnified. This is the God's equivalent of the Nicene Creed. So fall back, he's in atonement now. The cross of Christ is holy ground. Because the Lamb has died, third day he had awesome to rise. Awesome rap music that glorifies God. All right, so we've seen 
seen how sin produces the need for an atonement, why don't we talk about some of the terms involved in the event and application of the atonement? Okay. Right, let's start with uh, regeneration. The Holy Spirit's true work in his love to the elect who receive new birth from above. Expiation. Expiation means God's removed my filthiness. The Old Testament type was the goat into the wilderness. Redemption. We've been freed from slavery to sin, and his very own blood is the price he paid, my friend. Propitiation. Propitiation means since the lamb has died, his work is finished. God's wrath is satisfied. Adoption. Adoption means God is now my father. I got the hottest papa, and by the spirit, holla abba. Reconciliation. Means there's no more enmity. God is now a friend of me with no longer enemies. Justification. God declares us righteous. Sanctification. We're being made into his likeness. Glorification. That's what happens at the finish when God conforms believers perfectly to Christ's image. Just fall back and with the eyes of faith behold the beauty of surprise and grace because the lamb has died. Third day he had to rise. He's magnified. That's pretty awesome right there. Oh man, it's just full of... Christian language, so that you can learn it. Wow. That's like an introduction an introduction to systematic theology in a rap song. Yep. All right, so what's our topic for today? Ah, blessed assurance of salvation, eternal security. Blessed assurance, Jesus, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Okay, you're not allowed to sing anymore. Sorry. All right, so we're talking about the doctrine of eternal security. Let's uh, break it down to me in layman's terms, in uh, Alex Trebek's terms, of uh, what eternal security is and why it's important to us as believers. And, and actually, also give it to me, what if we don't have eternal security? What does that mean for our, our hope in uh, salvation? Okay. Two things. Number one, it's either going to be of grace or it's going to be under law. All right. Can you speak into the microphone? Okay. So, so salvation, basically, salvation is either by grace or by law, or by law. Okay. So, you're either so. have grace or law. That's what we're looking at when we, when you think of eternal security. This is what happens. It's either going to be dependent on the work of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and His finished work, what He, uh, as the high priest, what He has atoned for, what He has completed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, it's either going to be a gospel center message, where you're going to have eternal security, mm-hmm. or you're going to be under law, mm. working for your righteousness. All right, so if salvation is under law, like, for example, Mormonism, right. Islam, Jehovah's Witnesses, right. Catholicism, yep. um, all of those things. Yeah, go ahead. And what we ran into this past weekend at Winter Jam, mm. Christians, or so-called Christians... Who are legalists. Who are legalists, mm. preaching a works-based righteousness after you become a believer in Jesus Christ. So what they say is, if uh, you become a believer in Jesus Christ and you become saved, but you keep on sinning without repentance, or if you're not holy and perfect, and you were to sin, you would die and go to hell. Mm. So what what does that remind you of? Galatians. A different gospel. The Judaizers come in, put people back under the law. That you have to. That you um, basically, and, and I think here's the difference. This is what I always tell people: uh, the law is about works. Christianity is about fruit. Amen. All right, because the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all of those things. Against such there is no law. You see what I'm saying? Right. Right. Well, and it, so and so you have to look at it as <clears throat> number one for a Christian who. 
okay, some people would say, well, does this give people a license to sin? If they say they're no longer under the law, do they have a license to sin because they're like, oh, well, I can just go do whatever I want to do. You know, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. He paid for all my sins. He's done this. I'm just going to live how I want to live. I'm just going to be like the world. No, friend, what happens is, uh, first of all, you're not doing Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 where it says examine yourself, right. okay? Number one, you haven't uh, understood what the cross is. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you have that mentality, you don't understand the cross. That's not salvation. That's not salvation. You don't understand what Jesus paid for. You don't understand that he had to take the wrath because the wages of sin was death. That's like basically me saying, I'm going to marry my wife, but I'm going to uh, have relations with other women. Mm. If that's, that's the case... That's unfaithfulness. I'm not, that's not a covenant. I'm no. not in a covenant. Right? God has grafted us into a covenant by his blood. And that covenant washes away our sinful nature. It actually, and this is also related to regeneration... In, in the, the process of, of salvation, we are given a new spirit and a new mind which serves Christ. Therefore, therefore, with the doctrine of eternal security, it's also preser- per- per- perseverance of the saints. Because we have been justified, we are being sanctified, yes. and because we are being sanctified, um, our life will exhibit the fruit of the gospel. That doesn't mean we're not going to sin. That's right. All right. Uh, and that's what First John says. If we say that we have no sin, we are liars and the truth is not in us. Yeah, the love of the Father is in you. Because uh, Paul himself said, and uh, I won't use Romans 7 as an argument um, because we can go into details about that, but Paul did say he is the chief of sinners and uh, he did have a thorn in his flesh and uh, he relied on the Holy Spirit for his strength because... You know what? We're not glorified yet. We're That's not right. glorified yet, and That's so. Right. Well, I mean, I th- and I think you could use Romans seven. I think because that shows the battle within. Paul it, has been painting the picture. Yeah, I um, think. Have I ever given you my take on Romans seven? No, uh, give me your take. Go ahead. All right. So I wrote my exegetical paper in my hermeneutics class on Romans chapter seven. Mm-hmm. Who most people most people think Paul is describing the Christian experience. Mm. I don't think Paul is describing the Christian experience. I think he was describing. Uh, describing what uh, the mentality looks like when we don't understand the Spirit. We we continually struggle with sin. Why do we... Okay, here, here's what Paul's saying. Why do we struggle with sin? Because we don't understand the work of Christ. Mm. There's no condemnation for no, those in Christ. It's just yeah. like what um, Matt, you said about Matt Chandler. We can't fix ourselves. This is what Romans 7. Romans yes. 7 is the, is the person who's still trying to fix themselves under the law. This is what the law does. The law continually breaks you. It continually puts you under condemnation and, 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 and bondage. But Paul 7 in, in uh, Romans 8, that's why he says, therefore, there's no condemnation. So he's saying in Romans 7... I'm continually bound up under law as long as I think as, as that law is the root of my justification. All right, this relates to eternal security right here. As long as I think the law is the root of my justification, I'm continually bound because I'm never good enough. But because of what Christ has done, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. And in Romans chapter 8, you see how he uses the Spirit so many more times. The Spirit, the influence of the Spirit is ab- absent in Romans chapter 7. Mm-hmm. So the spiritual life is Romans chapter 8. This is what the Christian life looks like. The Christian life looks like no condemnation. We're free from the law, free from death, free from that, that old person. And so this is what I always say that sanctification is. Sanctification is understanding who we are in Christ. And it takes us 
literally the rest of our life to really get it. Yep. To really get the holiness. And so that means we're going to mess up along the way. See, the Bible says salvation is a work of God. Yep. Not a work of man. That's what Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2. Oh, man. Matthew uh, chapter 19, verse 26 says, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When you think about... Where's that at? Uh, Matthew 19, uh, verse 26. And <clears throat> not to take that out of context, but to show that what uh, people say that is impossible, God makes it possible. And what I mean is he takes a dead person and he makes them alive. Mm-hmm. So... No unregenerate person finds joy in the Father's will. That's Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3. And what that is is because we're all dead in sin and trespasses. But by God's grace, he saves people. Hmm. And that's what regenerates a heart. That's what takes a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And, you know, that's the whole conversation. When you get to somebody and, and you're talking to them and you're finding out, okay, did you save yourself or did God save you? Well, people are going to say, God saved me. Why? Because he is the Savior. Okay? If God is faithful in saving you, is he not faithful in keeping you? Correct. So this, God, If God saves you, God keeps you. Okay. So that the one who began a good work is faithful to complete the good work. That's Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Right. He is faithful. He is the faithful one. That's why everything has to be about Christ and what he accomplished and what he has done. And if God changes your heart, if God opens your eyes and ears and you hear the good shepherd's voice, he's not going to let uh, um, his sheep go. No right. one will pluck them, pluck him out of their hands, out of his hands. So he is faithful. Um, a work must be done by God, not by man. So this builds the foundation of eternal security. I like what you said about if we if we view salvation as our work, then we can lose it. But if we view salvation as God works, then God does not. Uh, he's not an Indian giver. He doesn't give salvation and then take it back. Okay, salvation belongs to the Lord. It makes me think of Philippians 2.12, where we've said, um, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that makes me think, oh, man, I better make sure I'm saved. But here's what he says. For God is at work in you. For God is at work in you. Why do we fear and tremble? Because God is doing something in us. Yes. All right? Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. He's doing the work. That's why we are, we are actually looking introspectively, seeing what God is doing with a holy awe and a holy reverence, knowing that his hand is at work in our life. You know, some of the biggest arguments when, when uh, people say, well, you can lose your salvation and so forth, because um, they say, well, not everyone who says they believe will enter the kingdom of heaven. You're 100% right. Even the demons believe. James tells us this. In uh, James chapter 2, verse 19, says, Even the demons acknowledge Jesus. But guess what? They don't acknowledge him as Lord. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. See, they may have head knowledge. They know that he is the Son of God. But they have not been transformed by the power of God. You see what I'm saying? Right. This is where fruit comes in. This is when... The Holy Spirit is within you and bearing fruit, doing a work. What did you say Sunday about the root? There's no root. If there's no fruit of salvation, there is no root of salvation. And that's why I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5.13 when it says, Examine yourself. 
you know, we as Christians, we should examine ourselves. Am I walking the way the Lord wants me to walk? Am I doing the things that he's called me to do? You know, these things, we're not all knowing. But God says, I have called you for my purposes. I have saved you by grace through faith that you may what? Walk in good works that he's already prepared beforehand. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so we should examine ourselves everywhere we go. Am I in the right place? Am I doing what God has called me to do? Am I sharing the gospel to this person at the gas station? Am I giving for missions? Am I trying to make his name known? Examine yourself. Just like you said in Philippians. Work out. There's nothing wrong with those things. And as Christians, that should be sharpening each other. That's good. So, Robert, I remember that about... um Within the first 12 months I was preaching here, I was preaching through a series called Doctrine, mm-hmm. and one, uh, I think it was a Sunday night series, or maybe been Sunday morning. Yeah, I think it was Sunday morning. One, one Sunday, I spent on the Doctrine of Eternal Security, which is a historically um, Reformed doctrine and Baptist doctrine. Baptists have always affirmed eternal security until the uh, the free will Baptist uh, Armenian Baptist came along. Because mm. otherwise, if salvation is a work of you, you're going to lose it. You the possibility is there. All right. This is why in Catholicism, if you're not taking the sacraments, you're in danger. In Pentecostalism, if you're not evidencing the um, what is it? You know, like, if you're not evidencing tongues, you're not saved. Yep. Right? Yep. Which tongues is not a fruit of the Spirit. Never listed there. Okay? You know, many who reject the gospel of grace do so because of pride and self-righteousness. They think they can please God on their own works of the flesh. You know what? Isaiah teaches us that our good deeds, our, our, our works, our righteousness is filthy rags to a holy God. Yep. And that's, that's where it gets back to, like, Romans 3. No one is good. No, not one. And I know we've talked about this a hundred times already within our five episodes of the podcast, but these are the, the, the fundamental foundational points. We have to see that we're not good, and only Jesus Christ is the faithful one. Only he is good, and only he is righteous. And when he says, by faith, this is, this is the power of God. This is salvation, the gospel, by faith in him and what he has done. Um, now his righteousness is imputed to you. Right. That's the difference. Imputed is credited to. He's given his righteousness that he has when, you know, he is the upright. He is the just. You know, when he imputes and credits that to you, that's how you're seen as righteous, not by your works. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we shouldn't do works because God said, I've already prepared them beforehand. And that's where you should examine yourself. You think about 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. It says, take every thought captive. Yep. Okay, so if we wasn't struggling with sin in our life, with our flesh, why would the Scripture say take every thought captive? You should so basically you said if there's not a struggle, we wouldn't have to do those things. Right. Yeah, so Scripture testifies to the fact that we are <laughs> depraved and that the Christian life is the, the process of crucifying the flesh and denying the flesh, and that doesn't happen overnight. I mean, if it did, if it did happen overnight, um, there would be no 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 progress. 
You know, I'm not saying that Christianity is about progress, but uh, that root comes first. That's why Paul spent three years in Arabia. Yes. All right? He didn't want to be puffed up with pride. There you go. Which is why young men in the ministry uh, says, do not, do not call them uh, into the ministry, lest they be puffed up with pride and come under the same condemnation of the devil. All right? Paul didn't want to struggle with that sin because he knew he was still depraved. He was still working through this. Yep. And this is what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said, Simul used to set peccator, simultaneously justified and sinner. <laughs> You're going to have to slow that down. Okay, this is in Latin. Simul justus. Simul justus. Which means simultaneously justified et peccator and sinner. Wow. So here's, here's Reformed theology. Right there. I mean, this is everything. This is all the way back to the, uh, all the, way back to the early monks in the 6th and 7th century who, if they saw a beautiful woman, uh, they would go jump in a cold river <laughs> to prevent themselves from sinning because they knew they're still sinners. Yep, yep. And, and they weren't worried about losing their salvation. They just wanted to glorify God. Okay. So let's think about this. Our listeners are, are taking this in. Okay. Yep. So we're saying all this about eternal security. We're saying that, you know, um, if you're truly saved, right? If God has saved you. If God has saved you. If God has done the work. Yes. You cannot lose your salvation. He will keep you. And that he has paid for your sins. You know, we always hear this term, past, present, future sins. He has mm-hmm. paid for it. He has atoned for Yeah, they're for atoned it. for. Okay. Let's give them some scripture. Okay. Let's give them some scripture to go off of. Okay. Go ahead and pull up uh, Col- Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Are you going to read it? Ooh, do you want to do your uh, radio voice and read it? Or Yeah, I can do that. Colossians yeah. chapter 2, chapter where two. are we going to be? We're going to emphasis on verse 13. We're okay. going to emphasis? Did I say that right? Yeah, we're going to emphasize. Okay, emphasis on this, verse 13. Oh, this is so good. Can I read it? Read it. All right. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Mm. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You sounded just like Max McLean. <laughs> Who's that? You don't know who Max McLean? Oh, he's no. the British guy who does the Bible Gateway and the Bible app. Really? ESV version. He does. Uh, well, I'm trying to. I'll try, what's the guy that narrated? Uh, you ever been to Disney World and Epcot? And the thing you go. What's his name? The guy that narrates that. He's real famous. Uh, Walt Disney? No, no. In, you know when you go in Spaceship oh, Earth? Oh, Robin, uh, isn't it Robin, not Robin Williams, but, uh, oh man. Rob, Robin Leach. Robin Leach. <laughs> that's not him. No, that's not I him? I can't remember what it's, it's very famous. But I was trying to go with a combination of him and a little bit of, um, who's the, who's the English speaking, is it Legan Duncan? Legan Duncan? I think he's the English pastor. Ah. Huh. I don't know, but it sounded really good. It sounded good. Mac, Max McLean, what I thought of. Okay, so in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul wrote, 
He forgave us of all our sins. The Greek word translated all means in each and every, any, all. That hold on, means. Hold on, I'm going to look up that Greek word right here. Look it up. Okay, that means when we were born again, all of our past, present, and future sins are forgiven. So, like when we use this terminology, it doesn't say in the Bible past, present, future sins. No, just like it doesn't use the word Trinity. Okay, so it doesn't use the word Trinity, but we know we take all of Scripture and we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. We see these three are one. And, you know, in First John uh, chapter 5, you can go through, I think it's five, verses 5 through 7, but I know in verse 7 it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. These three are one, especially in your King James and New King James, but uh, from the Dead Sea Scrolls, all our newer translations omit that part where it just says the... Uh, the Word, the Water, and the Spirit, these three are one. Mm-hmm. But it never uses the word Trinity. Mm-hmm. But yet we know the Trinity exists throughout mm-hmm. all the New Testament. Yeah. Throughout the whole Bible shows the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Correct. Okay? So this still applies. To when someone brings up the past, present, and future, you can use Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, where it says, He forgave us all our sins. And you know what? I've, I've dealt with so many Christians over the last four and a half years who tell me, and and Robert, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to come across as sounding a, a heretic here, but some people tell me that they ask for God, they ask God for forgiveness every day. Okay. Okay. And this is what I tell them. I, I I tell them. I said, you understand that when you became a Christian, you are forgiven of all sin. All right. It's like it's like let's say you owed a million dollars, and I paid your debt off. All right, and you got out of jail or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you came back to me every day asking me if you still needed more to be paid. Eventually, I would say, "Hey, listen, you Nimrod, <laughs> your debt has been paid. Yeah. You are righteous." All right, the prayer, the prayer of the believer. What is the prayer of the believer? Is to um, live the sanctified life. I'm not coming back to God to get in a righteous state, which is what forgiveness would be. If I'm not forgiven, that means I have a debt that is owed. Right. Right? That's what means forgiveness. No longer a debt. Well, and this is where uh, the mindset has to be, and, and we may differ just a little on this, but I think the mindset has to be when it comes to confession. And, confession is different than forgiveness. And like when it, Or when it talks about examining or taking a thought captive. Mm-hmm. You know, so if one is saying, Lord, forgive me for this, help me repent from this, there has to be understanding that I am already forgiven. Yes. If one does confession, what he's saying, like, okay, Lord, you've now sh- shown me. You know, that's the yeah. gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict of sin. When he dwells within you, yes. when your, your, your flesh is warring with the Spirit. Yeah. Oh, Robert, I've, I've got to, let me, let me speak on that point there. So yeah, so your 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 body is at war with the spirit, and the, what is the spirit doing? He's showing you where sin resides in your life. You see, what I'm saying he's illuminating that, he's showing you that, and what does that do? That's part of the sanctification process. He's molding you into the image of Jesus Christ, and so he convicts you of that sin. And so when confession when confession comes out, you're saying, "Oh no, I see this, Lord. I see this sin in my my life." Right. You know what? You've paid this price. You've paid this debt. You've showed me this. Now you can walk more in holiness with the Lord, even though you're already righteous. Does that make sense? Right. 
All right. I'm going to add exactly what you're saying. I'm going to do so in a, in a manner that somewhat disagrees with you. Okay. All right. Because here's what you did. You took my point and you kind of sharpened it a little bit. I'm going to take that same point and, and directly. Up. Okay. So you said the job, job of the Holy Spirit is convict the world of, or convict of sin. Right. Okay. John 16, 8. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And then he explains this. He says about sin because people do not believe in me. Right. All right. So I have preached on this before. He convicts sin, unbelievers of sin to show them their need for a Savior. Correct. So what I would say is that his job in the believer is we've already convicted of sin. We know we're sinners. Yes. He says in John sixteen ten to convict about righteousness because I'm going to the Father. Okay? He convicts the unbelievers of sin, but check this out. He convicts the believer of righteousness, which means he's the legal, legal advocate declaring righteous. All right, so here's what happens. When I sin, I don't say, oh, man, I'm a sinner. I say, well, what's wrong with this? I'm righteous. Why am I sinning? I'm righteous. You ignoramus, right? Right. So the Holy Spirit is saying, this is not the nature that you have, right? Which is yep. the opposite of Romans 7. If I was still in Romans 7, I'd be sinning all the time. But I'm a Romans 8 Christian. I've got the Spirit. There's no condemnation. Whenever I sin, here's what I think about. How can... Uh, I'm, I'm not understanding that I'm a righteous person. And, and I know I know God has given me the authority to uh, to have victory over this sin. So it's a, it's a change in, in mindset. So I hope I was mm. able to kind of bring that. No, I think that's great. I, I think that's great. I think that, uh, well, and that's what's sharpening each other is. Go to Galatians right. 5. Go to Galatians 5. Let's right. look at the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit does in the life of the believer. See, this is the difference. When, when being born again and being... Uh, Made new. You're a new creature, right? New creature. Creature. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My speech impediment always no, that's gets me. good. Okay, so right. first, first let's start out with uh, Galatians 5, 19. The ESV says... Go to 17. I want to go okay, to 17 Okay, let's go first. to 17. I like the ESV here. Yep, yep. Uh, okay. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. All right? But. Here it comes, right here. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under, under the, the law. law. So this is where I'm saying Paul contrasts works with fruit. Yes. Now, the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is pretty, this is pretty big. Yep. Because here's what he's saying. If you're doing these things, you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. But, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what does this tell us? It tells us that those who belong to Christ, that our flesh has been crucified. That's right. That we're not living according to those old things. It's not because someone's lost salvation. It's because they don't have it. They don't belong to Christ. That's right. All right? And so I think the doctrine of eternal security, it, it prevents this oscillation of 
uh, now I'm saved, now I'm lost, now I'm saved, now I'm lost, now I'm saved. No. If you're saved, you belong to Christ, and your life will evidence that. That's not salvation by works. That's salvation that works because we're seeing that those whom God has saved is saved for his purpose and his purpose and his glory, and they, they live according to them. Right? What is that salvation based upon? The atoning work of Jesus Christ. They am righteous. Only a righteous person can have the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And so now, now that now this is where the turn goes. Okay. So when you see a passage like this, now this is where we can we can tackle and go a little bit deeper. Okay. Okay. This is where we have to see Jesus is the high priest, and I think this will be our last point for today, and we'll wrap up on this. But this is where it becomes: if he's the high priest, I'm not saying that we won't struggle with sin, mm-hmm. but we have to see that he has paid for all sins. Okay. All right. And what what does the scripture say? So as a believer, we will see that the fruits of the spirit will come out. Um, go to Hebrews chapter ten. All right. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, just a reminder, I want to say of Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, when it's talking about the Messiah and the work that he will do, it says that he will blot out our transgressions and he will remember them no more. Right. Okay? What does that mean? Poof. God remembers them no more. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did as our high priest. All right. So we're going to wrap up with Hebrews chapter 10. Yeah. Where do you want, where do you want me to go? Um Verse 14 is the key verse, but you can probably start verse 7. Read it in your English verse voice. Um, so 7 through 14, we're going to... Let me start with verse 8. Can I do that? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to skip the English first. Okay. Go Because that takes too long. All right. <laughs> verse uh, 8, Hebrews 10, verse 8. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor will you please with them. Meaning... God doesn't desire the the uh, sacrificial law keeping Torah observant code. Yep, yep. Though you were, though they were offered in accordance with the law, that's what he says. Then he said, "Here I am. I have come to do your will." He sets aside the first, meaning he sets aside the law to establish the second, which is the new covenant. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. We have been made holy once and for all. Once that means and once we've been all. made holy, we're not unholy. Mm. That's the good news. Day after day, priest, uh, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which cannot take away sin. But when this priest, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect, perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. And right there we see justification and sanctification. sanctification. We are made perfect. That means our standing before God does not change. But we are being made holy. That means our state is continually being conformed to the image of Christ. I want to end, uh, Robert, just because I have to leave for an appointment with this verse. First uh, John 2, 1. I don't know if you had this written down. Actually, I did have 1 John chapter 2. All right, here's what it says. He says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So he is the high priest. Even even here we have in the uh, New Testament theology that, you know what, the, the goal of Christianity is to live in a righteous state. But he says, if anyone does sin, the advocate is standing there before the Father saying, I paid for that sin. Because of one sacrifice, he 
he has made perfect forever for those who are being made holy. How could God see us as perfect forever unless all sins had been forgiven? Is that what is that what First John two the rest of it says? No, that's uh, that's I was using Hebrews and then tying that and tying that into that context back back to that context. So there well, you have it. We can go deeper down the road if you have questions. Hit us up on uh, the Gospel Defender uh, Facebook page. Facebook page. And, and uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sticking it out. This one was uh, kind of lengthy today. A lot of good stuff. A lot of fun we've had. Uh, we're going to end with this song. The uh, praise team broke this out this past Sunday. I really enjoyed it. Uh, this is the Passion version. It's called Remember. My heart hangs on every word that you speak. I need you, Lord, come find me. Holy Spirit, breathe. Walking through deserts, I need more of your presence. I'm weak, Savior, be my strength. Change the atmosphere.